It's the November 29th, 2019 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And, as always, a record holder for his sock rocket sales, Muller, the fake news dog. Today, we'll be talking about Richard Nixon's treason. Oh, a list of the five absolute dumbest places. Natural organic reduction. <laughs> and more, but first, how's the war and Thanksgiving going, Mike? I have you been revving it up? Yeah, I, I try to. I try to do what I can to throw fuel on the fire. Because we liberals, we've declared war on Thanksgiving. We're communists. We are. Yeah. We're, we're not liberals. We're not liberals. It's true. Yeah. We're socialists. Yeah. Have you come up with a new name? You know, who I look to for guidance in this kind of thing is Reverend Wiles in terms of, you know, what I really- He look, has a good name for Thanksgiving, I think we should one? maybe pay more attention to what Wiles he has to Wiles Day? Yeah. Call it Wiles Day? Wiles Day. Big Balloon Day. Big Balloon Day. Yeah. Oh, did you see that guy get flattened by the- Someone was crushed by a Macy's Day balloon? Crushed. He was walking towards one in the wind, and the wind took the balloon, the giant toy soldier, and knocked him off his feet. It was a nutcracker? It was was a real nutcracker. We laughed heartily. Yeah. Yeah. Give us your land day. You like that one? Mm, Oh, yeah. Give us your land day. I like that one. Give us your land day. (laughs) Meaningless football game day? I like that one too. (laughs) Bloated Mahler Day. I think that's 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 almost every couple of days, actually. So I don't think that's really Uh, special. Trump supporters say the impeachment investigation of the chosen one is a Jew coup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of Juku friends, by the way. Do you now? Yeah. Oh, Some well. of my best friends. <laughs> They're going to come in handy. <laughs> yes, well, good. Rick Wiles, the pastor at Flowing Streams of Urine Church in Vero Beach, Florida. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. That's Flowing Streams Church yeah. <laughs> in Vero Beach, Florida, and the founder of True News. Oh. T R U. News. I've been waiting for that. Yeah. Yes, finally. True news. True news. A website known for posting racist and anti-Semitic shite is getting ready to rid the world of godless communists like you and me, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this impeached Trump effort is a Jew coup, and the American people better wake up to it really fast. This country could be in civil war at Christmas time. Wow. Can't wait. Yeah. Members of the U.S. military are going to have to decide, are you fighting for the North or are you fighting for the South? Get it through your head. They're coming for you. There will be a purge. That's the next thing that happens when Jews take over a country. They kill millions of Christians. Yeah. (laughs) You laugh or you cry. Oh, this is, I I actually listened to this man. And it was, I think, better in the original German well, and the fact that they're going to kill millions of Christians, Christians. these Jews, it lets me off the hook. I, I feel much better about that because I do not accept Christ as my personal Savior. Yeah. I, I want to make that clear. I'll become a Jew if that's what it takes. In fact, I kind of like being Jewish. Yeah. I am part Jew, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, and Callahan just, it just says Jew. What? Jewish. 
like a Welshman can't marry a, well, a Jewish lady? You know, who knows what's going on with a person like this? And, what would make someone say that we'll be in a civil war at Christmas time? Well, in fact, this, yes, just yeah. as I was going to bring in up. In fact, that's, that's a new uh, Christmas song I'm working on, Civil War at Christmas Time. <laughs> Speaking of toxic spills... The latest Keystone Pipeline oil leak is almost 10 times worse than the pipeline company originally said it was. Yeah. <laughs> it almost goes without saying. You know, the, yeah, I, I don't uh, know why anyone would be surprised to yeah, find this yeah. out, really, truly. The truth comes about a month after the Keystone 1 pipeline leaked about 400,000 gallons of oil. TC Energy, the company who owns the pipeline, shut it down on October 29th. We were talking about that back then, after discovering that the oil had leaked from the pipe into the surrounding wetlands. Bad place to leak into. Very bad. The pipeline was returned to service on November 10th, following approval by Trump's U.S. Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration, although I don't want to necessarily single him out. Who knows? Obama's probably would have done the same thing at a particular point. Mm-hmm. He did shut down the pipeline. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah. He did. At first, TC Energy estimated about 2,500 square yards of land were destroyed by the spill. Now they say almost 25,000 square yards. <laughs> Oops. <sighs> we dropped the zero. <laughs> the pipeline carries extraction crude from oil sands, a method which releases 17% more greenhouse gases than other extraction techniques. The oil is thicker and stickier than traditional oil. (laughs) The good old traditional oil. And by the way, this is the pipeline that for several months, thousands of people gathered to protest and Uh that were systematically and violently removed from their territory. This territory belonged to Native Americans. And they were there to protest this. And exactly what they said they were afraid of happening and what the energy company said would never happen is happening now. This uh, thicker and stickier oil is thinned with hazardous chemicals so it can flow through the pipeline. The toxins in it now that they've poured in make it more difficult to clean up than traditional oil. Mm-hmm. Trump signed an order approving construction of the Keystone XL pipeline in March. The pipeline system extends 2,600 miles from Alberta, Canada, east into Manitoba and then south to Texas and would cut across the uh, Ogallala Aquifer, yes. one of the world's largest underground deposits of fresh water. And we're going to put a pipeline through it. This is one of the things that Trump campaigned on. Yeah. In order for these the energy company to dodge actual regulation during the construction of the pipeline, they built it in small increments because they knew that if they were built a section of a certain length, they would be subject to environmental regulations. So they gamed the system yeah. by building it in much smaller uh, increments yeah. and able them to avoid any sort of regulatory yeah. agency. It's like doing a room addition on your home. Yeah. And you know that the city will check out a whole room. So you just build like a part of a wall, wall. another part of a wall, another part of a wall. (sighs) Police officers in Rome were being investigated for accepting pasta and gelato as bribes. From National Geographic, deforestation is creating infectious diseases in humans. That would be you and me, Mike. Technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Molly. You think that's funny, huh? <laughs> a growing body of scientific evidence shows that deforestation, by triggering a cascade of events, creates the conditions for deadly pathogens and the parasites that cause malaria and Lyme disease to spread to people. We call it pathogen-friendly conditions. That's right. Malaria, which kills over a million people annually due to infection by plasmodium parasites transmitted by mosquitoes, has long been suspected of increasing with deforestation. In Brazil, while control efforts have dramatically reduced malaria in the past, bringing 6 million cases a year in the 1940s down to just 50,000 in the 60s. And cases have been steadily rising now in parallel with rapid forest clearing. Many viruses exist harmlessly with their host animals in the forests because the animals have co-evolved with them. But humans can't become unwitting hosts for pathogens. When, for example, in Liberia, forest clearings for palm oil plantations attract hordes of forest-dwelling mice lured there by the abundance of palm fruit around plantations and settlements. Humans can contract Lassa virus when they come into contact with food or objects contaminated with feces or urine of virus-carrying rodents. In humans, the virus causes hemorrhagic fever, the hemorrhage. Yeah. That same, sounds like you're bleeding out, yeah. is what it sounds like. It's the same kind of illness triggered by Ebola. Yeah. And deforestation diseases aren't limited to the tropics. In the northeastern United States, deforestation is causing an increase in Lyme disease. <laughs> if this news makes you sick, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to heal your soul? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is How We Stay On Air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. From Technology Review. Clean energy investments in the developing world plummeted last year while coal reached a record high. Now, this is kind of discouraging. This is very discouraging. Although I have a take on this. Investments in solar, wind, and similar projects fell to $133 billion in 2018, down from $169 billion the prior year. So it's dropped about $30 billion. But there was a big boom. That's what I'm thinking. So, so you're Who saying, knows? okay, yeah. It might have gone down this year. This is in investment. I'm hoping it pops up again, and right. this is part of a trend well, where we just hit a little downside. Well, to your point, it could be the deployment of some of the technologies that were developed. Yeah. China, the world's largest carbon emitter, accounted for most of the decline. China put $86 billion into clean energy projects last year, down from $122 billion in 2017, as it cut renewables subsidy programs to get costs under control. Clean energy investment fell by $2.4 billion in India and $2.7 billion in Brazil. Investments rose outside of those three nations, up $4 billion in Vietnam, South Africa, Mexico, and Morocco, putting in the most resources. Overall, more clean energy capacity than fossil fuel capacity was added in 2018. That's a good thing. But chances are every additional coal plant that gets built will still be operating and pumping out climate emissions decades from now. That's a problem. Yes. Any investment now just means they're going to keep these things online more than likely. That's right. And it makes it tough 
to avoid severe climate crisis. That's exactly right. China has kicked off a new coal building boom. That's bad news. Why? By expanding its coal fleet nearly 43 gigawatts between January 2018 and June 2019, far outpacing a roughly 8 gigawatt decline across the rest of the world. So they went up 43 gigawatts while the rest of the world went down 8. And China has nearly 150 gigawatts under construction or likely to be revived, roughly equal to all the European Union's coal plants. We do need energy, but why? what's wrong with clean energy? What if, is wrong, even if Mike and I are wrong with global warming? And I know we're the only people that think the Earth is heating up. Yeah, yeah. we're the only ones. <laughs> we're the only ones. But say we're wrong. Right. Still, isn't clean energy well, let's better? Look, Shouldn't let, we make this transformation? Again, as we have talked about ad nauseum on this program, there's everything about fossil fuel is dirty and unhealthy for the planet. Everything. The exploration, the refining, the transportation, the use of it, it's all dirty every step of the way. And, and, you, and even the economics of it as far as workers go. It's an extraction economy. The people that are extracting this are getting paid lower. Extraction economies just work that way. Right. From Common Dreams... The new release of extended versions of presidential papers now confirms that President Richard Nixon was a traitor. Oh. And yeah, this is a great story, if for no other reason than the source of the person who brought yeah. it to light. Even right-wing columnist George Will says so. He wrote a column about this. Nixon's newly revealed records show without any doubt that in 1968, as a presidential candidate, Nixon ordered his liaison to the South Vietnam government to persuade the South Vietnamese to refuse a ceasefire being brokered by then-president Lyndon Johnson. I was following this back then. Yeah, exactly. I have to live through this and then live through it again when people finally come around to realizing that's what was going on. A half a century later, we're now acknowledging this. Nixon's interference with the negotiations violated the Logan Act, which bans private citizens from intruding into official government negotiations with a foreign nation, him being a private citizen at yes, that point in right, time. Right. George Will confirmed that Nixon feared public disclosure of his role in sabotaging the 1968 Vietnam peace talks. As a result, 20,000 Americans died. And Nixon ran on a new peace plan. Yeah. Nixon's sabotage of the Vietnam peace talks was confirmed by transcripts of FBI wiretaps. In 1983, our good friend Seymour Hersh revealed Henry Kissinger, Johnson's advisor on the Vietnam peace talks, secretly told Nixon's staff that a truce in Vietnam was imminent. According to Hirsch, Nixon was able to get a series of messages to the government of South Vietnam, making it clear that a Nixon presidency would cut them a better deal. As a result, South Vietnamese President General Thieu, a notorious drug and gun runner, boycotted Nixon's Paris peace talks. Nixon claimed a narrow victory for president in 1968. Nixon then paid back Kissinger, making him his own national security advisor. In the four years between Nixon's treason and the U.S. withdrawal, 20,000 U.S. troops died in Vietnam. Can I say that again? 20,000 U.S. troops, 20,000 young men were killed on account of this jackass. And 100,000 wounded. 
Yeah, 100,000 wounded. More than a million Vietnamese were killed. It was between two and three million. And they're still by most suffering. Because of and the we sprayed the country Agent with Orange. Agent Orange, defoliating, yeah. causing cancer, etc. And that's still causing a lot of problems for uh, veterans out there. That's right. Yeah. And unexploded munitions in Vietnam and in Laos and Cambodia. How many there. thousands of people died or yeah. were injured because of that? So that's why Kissinger and Nixon are traitors and war criminals. That's why we say that. Amen. Oh, but wait. In 1973, Kissinger was given the Nobel Peace Prize for negotiating the same settlement he helped sabotage in 1968. You know what's disturbing about that? What? Mahler, let me, please, let me. Is that there were a lot of people who knew this, the story you're telling. Uh-huh. A lot of people knew this. Yeah. We knew it. And and so for them, for, for he to get yeah. the Nobel Peace Prize. He's a piece of crap. He's still with us, isn't yeah. he? You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9. On our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com. On Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.org. From Charles Pierce at Esquire. Our friend Charles Pierce. Yeah, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson ruled White House counsel Don McGahn. Don McGahn yeah. must respond to congressional subpoenas and that Congress does not need permission from the president to determine how much of a crook he is. That's according to Mr. Pierce here. And us, too. He's a great writer. He is you a great check writer. You check him out yeah. at Esquire. He's, Charlie Pierce. He, yeah. He, two or three things every weekday he'll yeah. come out with. Yeah. Jackson's ruling was a call to arms, a defense of the constitutional order, a history lesson, and a firm and precise an ass-kicking, <laughs> as was ever dealt out by a federal judge. Yeah. This is part of her ruling right here. <laughs> However busy or essential a presidential aide might be, and whatever their proximity to sensitive domestic and national security projects, the president does not have the power to excuse him or her from taking an action that law requires. Yes, yes. that should be obvious. But she has to say it because that's what these Republican jackass lawyers are claiming is not true. They're just pulling this stuff out of their arse. Yeah. Really, they are. Anything to keep him from being accountable. Jackson did more than simply require McGahn to obey the law. The decision also kicked back hard against the power that has been steadily accumulating in the executive branch for the past 75 years. The primary purpose of the judge's decision is to bury Attorney General Billy Barr's conception of the executive branch in an unmarked grave. In short, her ruling says... DOJ's implicit suggestion that compelled congressional process is a zero-sum game in which the president's interest in confidentiality invariably outweighs the legislature's interest in gathering truthful information such that current and former senior-level presidential age should be always and forever immune from answering probing questions is manifestly inconsistent with a government scheme that can only function if its institutions work together. Yeah. In other words, they're trying to an end run around what our Constitution says. The Constitution is our rule book. We're supposed to play by the rules. Otherwise, we will devolve into a lawless society. 
Time and time again, Jackson referred back to the first principles the government devised at the Constitutional Convention. Simply stated, she said, the primary takeaway from the past 250 years of recorded American history is that presidents are not kings. This means that they do not have subjects bound by loyalty or blood whose destiny they are entitled to control. Rather, in this land of liberty, it is indisputable that current and former employees of the White House work for the people of the United States and that they take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Did you hear Alan Dershowitz on this? He's an idiot. He, well, He's saying, well, the president has more power than the king. Yes. Well, read what her statement says, Alan. That's not the point. Presidents might have more power than the king, but she's talking specifically that we are not the subjects of the president. That's her point here. Now, does Dershowitz think we're subjects of the president? I hope not. Yeah. From Vice. It was revealed that Iran's security forces shot and killed unarmed protesters during a brutal crackdown on demonstrations after the government lifted a five-day internet blackout and videos of the killings were posted online. So we didn't know about this until the internet ban was lifted. The gruesome videos back up claims that security forces killed hundreds of protesters who took to the streets in over 100 Iranian cities on November 15th to protest against a massive 50% spike in fuel prices. Trying to prevent the world from seeing what it was doing, Iran cut access to the internet in what is the most comprehensive and large-scale internet blackout ever recorded. Okay, we saw this with Russia. Yeah. They they now have their kill switch. Iran has one. I think this is the new thing yeah. in totalitarian countries is to build in this, this ability to shut off the Internet. Yeah, just one more reason not to have four more years of this crap. Yeah, exactly right. Get a Ajit Pai after it and there'll be a kill switch yeah. or he'll, he'll leave it to the corporations that are running the show to have their own kill switch. Now, back to Iran. The footage shows security forces indiscriminately opening fire on crowds of protesters, beating them with iron bars, and dragging their dead bodies off the streets. Iran blamed the U.S. for the protests. That's a nice little twist. Well, of course they did. It's our fault. We have shown patience toward the hostile moves of America, the Zionist regime, meaning Israel and Saudi Arabia against the Islamic Republic of Iran. General Hussein Salame, head of Iran's Revolutionary Guard, told tens of thousands of people holding signs with anti-U.S. slogans in Tehran's Revolution Square. These countries have become much more sophisticated when it comes to projecting to the rest of the world. It's what Iran's they, tea party? It's a, yeah, it's yeah. Iran's tea party. They're yeah. just they're better at putting f- this visual story forward than, than they were in the past. And yeah. He was so upset about us causing the protests, as if people can't protest without having us behind them. Right. He said, if you cross our red line, we will destroy you. We will not leave any move unanswered. Yeah. A little bit of threat there. Access to the global Internet is still highly restricted in Iran. Two of the three main cell phone operators remain largely offline. Customs officials at the border in El Paso, Texas, seized 154 pounds of illicit baloney. <laughs> Why wasn't this the lead story, Nathan? I guess it wasn't a government-approved baloney. That's what I was trying to figure out, because there wasn't anything necessarily bad with the baloney. It just got through. Have you had bologna? Well, that. I mean, (laughs) inherently bad. 
I ate a lot of bologna sandwiches when I was growing up. That that explains a lot of things. From Bloomberg, developers are blaming California's housing crunch for their building houses in extreme fire zones. That's what they're saying, (laughs) these developers. Centennial, a new city with homes for a population of 57,000, is marketed as an anti-wildfire fortress. It's the way they're selling homes is that right? to is the that suckers right? out there. Yeah. But ecologists say the development is at risk of burning. Yeah, yeah of course it is. Yeah. They're building it in extreme fire zones. <laughs> if you were to create a top five list of absolute dumbest places in the entire state of California to build a large new development, this would be on the list, yeah. said Chad Hansen, a forest ecologist who co-founded the John Muir Project. It flies in the face of everything we know about fire science and about how to keep people safe, he said. For decades, California developers have taken advantage of zoning in cheap land to build deep into wildfire areas in hills, canyons, and valleys. Now, rising temperatures and more frequent droughts are creating ideal conditions for extreme wildfires. The previous two years are California's most destructive wildfire seasons on record. But people are moving to wildfire areas anyway. Centennial is being challenged in lawsuits by environmental groups who've cited the wildfire risk as one reason the county shouldn't have approved the development. But in Centennial, many of the market-rate homes will go for less than $500,000. There you go. That's a relative bargain here in California where the medium home value is $605,000, more than twice the national average. In Southern California alone, the state is now demanding that local governments plan to accommodate 1.3 million new homes through 2029. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but it isn't. This is like a decade from now. 1.3 million homes, if they knew they were going to make a lot of money, the developers would be on this next year. Mm -hmm. It would be done in three years. Right, right. One solution would be to allow apartment towers in single-family neighborhoods. But that ain't going to happen. That would be unpopular with single families and local politicians, anybody who owns those single family homes. And traffic patterns, which are already horrific in California, in Los Angeles County, they're terrible. Can you imagine a 10-story apartment building in North Hollywood? Yeah. Well, you can, but I'm saying... What the, well, there are 10-story apartment buildings in, in, uh, and they create, in that area. And they create a tremendous well, amount Well, they also people. create people going to work closer to where they live. You got to start somewhere. You just can't keep building out into dangerous areas. Can well, we have public transportation? They, they they are building these high rises near to the transportation hubs. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Mm. That is a good thing. But what seems to not be happening is the regional planning department, certainly in LA County, I have no idea what they're actually doing in terms of managing the region. It, it does. Well, feel they don't like have leadership. They don't they have leadership. Don't have they must person not have out authority. there saying, this is where we're going. This is what we have to do. Right, right. We have to make the population denser here. Right. I g- literally grew up in two fire areas, in La Crescenta and in, in Tonga, that we were surrounded by forests. It, and it's appealing. People love living in forested areas because it yeah. feels luxurious. But we, you're right. We have to stop doing this. Uh, according know. to Chad Hansen, the forest ecologist, The need for more affordable housing has created a social smokescreen for approving homes in wildfire areas. In other words, they're saying, well, it's affordable. It's the only place we can do this. Yeah. And it's not. 
It really requires good planning and zoning, like you're saying. Yeah. It's not something that's that tough to get around, unless really what you want is a, a lot of uh, paradises in right. the future. Right. A lot of fires burning right. through communities, destroying homes and killing people. If that's what we're going for here, then we're going on the right path. This is an area that naturally burns, Hansen said, and it's going to burn again. From Inverse... New research shows working-age Americans between age 25 and 64 are dying prematurely, especially in economically unstable regions. That's the key point here. Yep. Because we're thriving here in Southern California. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. We're doing good. No, we are doing good. Yeah. We're doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not so good. No. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty bad right now, actually. <laughs> Let's go to another story. Yeah, I've already... I'm feeling... Researchers used data from the Centers for Disease Control and the United States Mortality Database to analyze changes in life expectancy and mortality rates. The team found that mortality rates have drastically increased across the Rust Belt in places like Pennsylvania, Ohio and Indiana, northern New England, in Maine, New Hampshire and Vermont, as well as Appalachian states like West Virginia, Kentucky and Tennessee. That's where it's all going south so to speak. Laws of economic instability since the 1980s has shortened people's lives in these states, while people are living longer in thriving economies along the Pacific coast, the research shows. Yeah. Part of it is the fact that California has been the most aggressive state in in the country about changing the environmental laws, upgrading some of the infrastructure not enough of it. And even in healthcare. And in healthcare. Yeah. So there have been some things that have been done here that have mitigated the effects of some of these diseases. A report from the Center for Disease Control showed Americans living in rural areas die more frequently from preventable causes than those living in cities. The rising death rates can be traced back to increasing rates of suicide, alcoholism, obesity, and the opioid crisis. In economically depressed regions, people also suffer from deaths of despair caused by behavioral risks like uh, drinking yourself to death yeah, or drug overdoses or suicide. The study also shows that mortality rates have increased for 35 causes of death, including a broad range of organ system diseases and injuries, <coughs> high blood pressure, infectious diseases, liver disease and liver cancer are a few of the diseases plaguing working age people and especially in the Rust Belt and in uh, the South. From Fast Company. Have you ever thought about composting your body, Mike? I hadn't until... right now? (laughs) There there are some episodes of the Weekly Signals that after we're finished, I want to... You have composted I wanted to compost my own body. I knew more... Mortuary, or should I say after-death center. Thank you. An after-death center called Recompose gives you another option for what to do with your body after death. Composting. (laughs) The flagship facility expected to open in Seattle in spring of 2021 is a more sustainable alternative to the usual six feet under. Today, burial involves chemical-laden embalming. Yes. While cremation uses eight times more energy, Recompose will offer a first-of-its-kind natural organic reduction service on site, which will convert human remains into soil in about 30 days. 
After Governor Jay Inslee signed SB 5001 this past May, Washington became the first state to recognize natural organic reduction as an alternative to cremation or burial. At Recompose, your remains are put into a vessel pod coffin thingy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and covered with wood chips. There, the remains are aerated to create a good environment for thermophilic bacteria, which will break the remains down into usable soil. Hmm. This sounds good. Yeah. I mean, why shield yourself from this? Let's let them have at you. There has been a movement afoot for the last decade that I'm aware of called green funerals. Yeah. They basically wrap you up in a cloth and they put you... Plant you. Plant you. Yeah. By converting human remains into soil, we minimize waste, avoid polluting groundwater with embalming fluid, and prevent the emission of CO2 from cremation and from the manufacturing of caskets, headstones, and grave liners. And put What's it, the point anyway? And put a crimp in an industry that I find ghoulish. The mortuary well, and the embalming and all that stuff. They mean well. There's good people out there doing I that understand stuff. there are. Yeah. I'm it's, sure there are, but I just the idea of embalming. It just someone. takes up. It's like golf. There you, you go. Know, there golf you know, golf and graveyards are the. You know, like what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember people just for what they do? Yeah. Why, why go and look at a stone somewhere in a field? <laughs> What's that about? I don't get it. You can be memorialized in some way. I don't think that there's a problem with. How about a, a drink? A physical. How about a, a drink? How about a, a, hit, a hit on a joint? Yeah. You know, how yeah. about using your brain to memorialize people instead of property? I'm with you. I agree. And finally, in Port St. Lucie, Florida, our Labrador retriever named Max. Mahler, do you know Max? Yeah. He's heard about him. Okay, he knows yeah. him. Okay. A Labrador retriever named Max got behind the wheel of a 2003 Mercury Sable and spent the next hour driving in reverse around a cul-de-sac until police arrived. (laughs) You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.